Hello and welcome to this message from the river. We hope that this message from Pastor Billy Pate inspires and challenges you towards a greater relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's join Pastor Billy Pate for another exciting message. You say come to the talk to you about uh, miracles. I want to talk to you about the miraculous because I believe that God wants to do the miraculous here. Amen. I said I believe God wants to do the miraculous here. So for the next few weeks I'm going to be preaching a series called Miraculous and I, I believe that this is a season where the miraculous is possible if we will figure out how to tap into it. You know, uh, if we will press on through to, uh, to that place that God has prepared for us, I believe that we can experience that. I don't believe that not only is the miraculous possible for this church, but I believe the miraculous is possible for you. For you as an individual, probably everybody in this place could think of things that they need God to do some big, uh, make some big moves in their life. They need God to do some big things in their life. They need some miracles. And so we believe that God wants to do the miraculous in you as an individual. And so I want you to help me pray this morning as I preach. God has a miracle for you this morning. Father, we thank you today. We praise you for the presence of God that's in this place. I ask your anointing to rest upon me as I present this message that you have placed on my heart. I pray that God, it would communicate, Lord, to the very depths of the soul of the individual that listens, Lord, and receives it. I pray that it would be planted in good ground and produce a harvest, Father. And that, Lord, we would become the seedbed for the miraculous to take place in our lives. We thank you for what you're going to do today in this house and what you're continuing to do in the lives of every person here. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Everybody says amen. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 17. And I'm going to pick up the story there. Uh, my text is going to be from 8, verse 8 to verse 16. But I want to give you a little bit of the background of the story before we get into the actual text. Uh, Israel is being led currently by a wicked king Ahab and as a result of poor leadership and as a result of wicked leadership, not poor leadership, but wicked leadership, there is a drought in the land. Elisha the prophet says in verse 1 of chapter 17, he says, As the Lord of God, Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Everything around them is drying up. In the meantime, before they finally get to the place where they're open, you know, listen, it's a bad place that we have to get to when God has to dry up everything in our lives before we start listening to Him. You know, it shouldn't take that much for us to get to a place where we're actually willing to listen to the Lord and hear Him. I don't want it to take drought and famine before I'm finally sensitive enough to listen to what God might be trying to prompt me to do. Amen? We have to learn, mature Christianity is learning to follow God, learning to do the will of, the God, will of God, learning to uh, sacrifice and learning really to uh, be a servant in the midst of blessed times. Anybody is open to those ideas when you're dying and when you're starving and when there's nothing around and you're desperate. But can we be mature enough 
that we can seek the Lord in good times, that we can continue to press in to deeper places when things around us are good. I don't believe that God wants to dry everything up around us every time He wants to move us. I think God wants us to get to a place where we're mature enough spiritually that we just keep moving with Him regardless of the blessings that are being poured out. But so many times when we get blessed, we get comfortable, and when we get comfortable, we get complacent. Don't let your blessing lead you to complacency. Amen. That that one was free. That's not even in the notes. (laughs) Everything's drying up. In the meantime, God says to Elijah, he says, Go to the brook Cherith, and the brook Cherith is a tributary of the Jordan River. And he says, There at the brook, God commands the ravens to feed Elijah every morning and every evening. Verse 6 tells us in verse 17, The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. God is, listen, God is always going to dry, uh, provide for his people. Always. Regardless of the conditions around us, God has a miracle for his people. Regardless of the conditions around you, God has a miracle for you. Regardless of the situation that you find yourself in, regardless of what the the culture around you or the conditions around you may say, God has a miracle for you in the midst of it. God is going to provide for you as His people. He's always going to take care of those that belong to Him. Verse 7 says, And it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. One thing that we have to understand concerning God's provision is that although He is always the provider and that 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 is an immutable fact that doesn't change, the way in which He provides is subject to change without notice. God is a provider and He's always going to provide for you. That's His nature. That's just what He does. But the ways that He provides for you may change from time to time. And they may change without notice. They may just change. And then you've got to go on a search and you've got to begin to seek and you've got to begin to listen to the Lord and you've got to let God begin to direct you into that new place of provision that He has for you. God is going to allow some streams of provision to dry up at times in your life in order to keep you mobile. I said God's going to allow some streams to dry up in your life from time to time in order to keep you mobile. He knows that it is easy for us to turn a mission into a camp out. It is easy for us to get to a place that we are settled and comfortable instead of staying active and engaged. And so we've got to keep moving. So the brook is dried up now and God says, Look, Elijah, I have a new means of providing for you, so get up and let's go and let's discover this new means. You have to be willing to get up. You have to be willing to get moving to a new means of God's provision. What has worked for you yesterday and the way God has provided for you previously may not necessarily be the way He is trying to provide for you now. What I'm saying to you is don't get stuck in a pattern that you can't escape. Don't get stuck in a way of God working in your life that you can't see some new ways that God's trying to work in your life. God's ways of providing for you are limitless. And He can do that any way that He chooses to. And He's going to do it in different ways just so that you really uh, begin to understand more and more how great of a God He is and the ways that He can do whatever He's going to do in your life. 
And so we've got to be willing to move. We've got to be willing to stay with Him. You have to be willing to discover some new means. God is not limited in the ways that He can provide for you and He will show you numerous ways He can meet your need if you will let Him. Now let's look at verse 8. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. Arise and go to Zarephath. Provision comes to those who are looking. Provision comes to those who are looking. It never comes to those who are not searching and to those who are not seeking. We are called to be a people that are seeking always. We are always seeking the Lord. We're always seeking ways in which He can be found. We're always seeking His provision. We're always seeking His direction and where He's trying to take us to. And all along the way of the mission that God has for your life is the provision that you need to sustain you in that mission. We think that God's blessings are there to provide us with comfort when in reality God's blessings are to provide us with the means to complete the mission. It's always about the mission. It's always about keeping the main thing the main thing and keeping God's call on your life central to your life and always keeping that before you. Keeping yourself hungry enough and, 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 and desiring enough to keep looking for what God has in store and what God has called you to do. The first point I want to make to you this morning is that there are miracles that are available to you. There are miracles that are available to you. He is a God of miracles and He has a miracle for you. The challenge is whether or not you're going to go find your miracle or if you're going to stay put and miss your miracle. The next miracle for Elijah is in Zarephath, not in the brook Cherith. He says, hear the word of the Lord. We've got to hear the word of the Lord and move with the word of God. What is God saying to you? What is God directing you to do? What is God challenging you to do in your life? You've got to hear the word of the Lord and then move according to that word. Elisha, Elijah, I keep getting those guys mixed up. Elijah, God says to him, get up and go. Get up and go. So he hears the word of the Lord and then he responds to that very word. We've got to respond to what we hear God say. We, we, we hear God speak to us sometimes and then we just wait for God to do the next thing when God's saying, look, I'm telling you what to do. I'm telling you to move. I'm telling you to go. I'm telling you where to find the next step in your life. And you've got to do it. God does not, you know this, God does not tell you every detail of the next step. All he says to Elijah is arise, go to Zarephath. I've commanded a widow to provide for you. Well, God, how is she going to provide with, for me? I didn't, I'm not going to tell you that. Uh, what, what does she look like? I'm not going to tell you that either. What, where am I going to find her? You're not going to find that out here. Get up and go to Zarephath. And I'll let you know the next thing when you get to the point that the next thing is valid. It's walking with God, blind faith. We've just got to go and do what he told us to do last until he tells us to do something next. You know, that is, a, that is a victory right there for most people is that if you would just understand the thing that God told you to do last is the thing you're supposed to be doing now and tells you, tells you to do something different. Whatever God told you to do last is what He wants you to be doing. And when it's time for you to change and time for you to do something else, He'll tell you what to do next. But He's not going to tell you until you're faithful to do what He told you to do last. The next miracle for Elijah is in Zarephath, not in the brook Cherith. 
He has to hear the word of the Lord and then he has to move with the word of God. And that is a key. Elijah stayed put until he heard from God, but as soon as he heard from God, he got on the move. And I think that for most of us, we are guilty of two things here. First of all, we're guilty of moving without God's direction. I'm just going to go and hope it all works out. I'm just going to go and I'm just going to do what I think is right. You know, I'm just going to do a bunch of things and hope I hit one of them as the will of God. Moving without God's direction. How much energy do we waste moving without God's direction? World's worst. Because I can look around and I can tell you 50 things that would be great things for us to do. And that's, that's not a blessing, that's a, that's a, that's a curse. Because I, it's hard for me to narrow down what God is telling me to do right now. Because I can see a lot of things that would be great. And I can see a lot of places where God might be able to bless. And I can see a lot of places where God might be trying to work. But the fact is I've got to spend enough time with God to hear His word for the moment and then move according to that word for the moment. The other thing that we're guilty of is staying still when He says to move. I don't want to do that. I don't want to go there. I like this brook. I like these ravens coming and feeding me. I don't even have to move. Both are equally damaging and both will cause you to miss your moment of a miracle. When you're staying put when you're supposed to move and you're not moving when you're supposed to go, it will cause you to miss your moment with God. Here's what I want you to see and receive this morning. God has a miracle for you. And even though the drought is all around you and the evidence is contrary of God's word and it's stacked up against you, he is going to always take care of his people. Elijah is his servant and Elijah is going to be taken care of. He is a God of miracles. And according to Ephesians 3.20, now to him, speaking of Jesus, who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ask or think, according to the power that works in In us. The power that works in us. He does miracles according to the power that works in us. What is that power that works in us? It is the power of the Holy Spirit. The God who dwells within us. He will lead you where you need to go. You just have to follow Him. Don't dare move without Him. And don't dare stand still when He's on the move. The miracle you need is only, only accessible through the leading of the Holy Spirit. Why is that? Why is it that the miracle is only accessible through the leading of the Holy Spirit? It's because the miracle is a supernatural occurrence. If it is supernatural, that means it happens outside of the natural. And the only way you can get the supernatural miracle you need is to let the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit take you there. You need to be led by God. The miracle can never be accessed without the help of the Holy Spirit. He has to navigate us to that place. You remember Isaiah 45? The scripture that I've spoke on in verse 3, it says, I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places that you may know that I, the Lord, who call you by name, am the God of Israel. The hidden riches of secret places, the treasures of darkness, are things that we can't see with our natural eye. You can't find them by your own means. You're going to miss. You may find some things along the way that help you, but they're not the things that God has laid up in store for you. The things that God has laid up in store for you are the things that only you can access by the Holy Spirit. You've got to be led by God, and you've got to be able to hear the Word of God and respond to the Word of God.
It's not by might. It's not by power. But it is by my spirit, says the Lord. That's how things are accomplished. That's how miracles are done. Many of us miss God's miracles because we won't ask Him. And we don't ask Him because we're afraid of what He might tell us to do in order to access those miracles. Go to the brook and wait on birds to feed me. You're crazy, God. That's insane. Just just turn this stone into bread instead. Or just do this instead, God. Why don't you just give me a better job? Why don't you just do this? God says, I've got provision for you, but you're going to do it my way. You're going to follow me. And then we go on and we're like, God says, go to Zarephath. You mean leave this nice brook and go to Zarephath? Are you kidding me? God, you're nuts. It's not crazy. It's not nuts. It's just the steps of faith that lead you to the miraculous. God has a miracle for everybody in this room. God has a miracle for you. And so I'm challenging you not to miss it. Let's look at verse 10. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed a woman was there gathering sticks. Can I just stop and say that the miracle that God does in your life is not just about you, but it's always about somebody else in the process. That God doesn't just do a miracle just to bless you and to fix your problem, but he does it so that you can be a miracle for somebody else. Indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks, and he called to her, and he said, Please bring me a little water and a cup that I may drink. How many times, how many times do we miss God-ordained connections because we respond with cynicism rather than servanthood? I better ask that again. How many times... How many times do we miss God-ordained connections because we respond to those connections with cynicism rather than servanthood? God is not just providing for Elijah. He's also providing for a widow at Zarephath. A widow that has caught his eye in some means of faithfulness that she has exhibited in her life. But if the widow had said, get your own stinking cup of water, She severs the opportunity for God to bind her to the miracle of Elijah. How many times do we respond to circumstances with cynicism when we ought to respond with servanthood? You never know. You never know what God has in store for you. And you never know by whom God will be bringing a miracle into your life. And if you respond to those connections and those opportunities with cynicism, what have I got to do with you? Why are you asking me for a cup of water? Get your own cup of water. Then you may miss the blessing and the the miracle that God has for your life. I think the difference maker in this is in whose name you do what you do. Jesus said, if you give a cup of cold water in my name, I'll I'll not overlook it. If you do what you do in my name, I'll take care of you. But if you're doing what you're doing in your own name, then it's going to be easy for you to respond with cynicism when the opportunity comes. But if we do it in Jesus' name, we always have to respond with, how much water do you need? How can I help you? What can I do? How can I serve you? How can I be a a, a representation of the light of Christ in this moment? How many opportunities throughout the day do we have to really be Christ in the situation and we miss it because we're busy or we're in a hurry or because we don't think the person that we're trying that's in front of us is worthy of our service 
She's not, she's not giving water to Elijah. She doesn't understand she's giving water to her own need. She's pouring him a cup of water, but she's not watering him. She's watering herself. Because God's about to show up in the situation. He's about to fix her woes and her problems. Verse 11, it says, And she was going to get it. He called to her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. Wow. Seriously? You've already asked me for a cup of water. Can't you see I'm working? And now as I'm going to get your water, you're going to actually ask me for some bread too? What's wrong with your legs? What's wrong with your hands? Right? I mean, I'm just keeping it real this morning. Verse 12. So she said, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin, and a little oil in a jar. And see, do you not see? I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. I'll get you your water, and I guess I'll give you this bread. But I just want you to know that what I'm doing right now is gathering sticks so that I can go eat what little bit of food we got left and then me and my son can just sit there and watch each other until we die. There's a drought in the land. The second point I want to make today is don't be afraid to give God all you got. Don't be afraid to give God all you have. God never asks you because he has a need. God asks you for what you have because you have a need. I said, God doesn't ask you for what you have because He has a need. He asks you for what you have because you have a need. And He's trying to take what little you have left, take it to Himself, bless it, make it holy, multiply it, redeem it, so He can give it back to you. And that's exactly what He's doing in this situation. God has brought these two people together so He could do the miraculous in their midst. He won't ask you. God will not ask you for what you don't have. But He may ask you for all that you do have. Don't be afraid to give it to Him. It's always in the moment that it looks like this is it that God comes through. Always. It's always in the moment where it's like, oh my goodness, what are we going to do now? Oh my goodness, what in the world is that? How are we going to fix this problem? How are we going to pay this bill? How are we going to take care of this need in our lives? It's in those moments that you can start to look around because God is bringing some stuff into your life. He may be bringing a connection to your life, but He's got a miracle for you that it's accessible to you if you will just look around, seek it out, and find it and access it for yourself. Desperation, listen to me. Desperation is always the seedbed of the miraculous. Desperation is always the seedbed of the miraculous. We don't have what we want because we're not desperate enough to seek it. We're not desperate enough to not live without it. We need desperation to keep us moving and keep us motivated. This lady has run out of her resource and she only has days, she's only days away from death. She's already even preparing for death. Can I just say today that we need to quit preparing for demise and start preparing for a miracle. Quit preparing for the end and start preparing for a new beginning. God has ways that you can't even begin to fathom. God has means that you never even dreamed about. God has ways of getting you what you need that it would blow your mind if you could even think about it. 
So the question becomes, how do we get past the conditions of our situation and live in a miracle that God has prepared? The answer is in what you do with what you have. In a dire situation, you have to trust someone. In a dire situation, you have got to trust someone. And it's not enough for you just to say, well, I'll just trust God. Yeah, you've got to trust God for sure. But you've got to trust someone. Everybody needs a partner. Everybody needs a partner in life. Everybody needs somebody that they can pray with, they can cry with, they can laugh with. Everybody has got to have someone that goes around with them. We were talking about this this morning. You know, Jesus always sent them out, not 20 by 20, but 2 by 2. Why? Because he wanted the intimacy of partnership to drive the mission. He wanted them to be in a relationship and for that relationship to drive the mission in their lives. You've got to have some partners. You've got to trust somebody. You've got to rely on somebody. And it's okay for that not necessarily... You have to trust your spouse, obviously. But it's good for you to have somebody that you can trust that's outside of even your marriage and in your home life, You're outside of your family. Every Paul needs a Silas. Amen. Every Elijah needs an Elisha. Everybody needs somebody. Jesus needed a John. And so everybody needs somebody that they can walk life out together with. She has nothing, this lady has nothing to lose. So she lays it on the line for Elijah. She says she's going to choose to trust Elijah with her problem. And more importantly, the God of Elijah with her problem. Notice that she says in verse 12, As the Lord your God lives. There's something different about you. There's something unique about you. There's something that I see that I know is miraculous working in you. There is a power that is beyond this situation working in you. And I'm choosing to put my partnership invested with you. She's saying, this is where I'm at. I need a miracle. And this is all I have is a handful of flour and a little jar of oil. You can have it. Do what you can with it. God says, give it to me. Give it to me. Give it to me. At that moment... Life and future hangs in the balance of her decision. There's always a moment when we give to God what he says and asks for that life and future hangs in the balance. And it's like, God, are you, are you going to come through? I've given you the last that I have. I've given you all that I have. And now, are you going to come through? And our faith is strengthened. Our faith is grown. Our faith is even tested. God says, trust me with what you have and I won't disappoint. I'll take it and I'll make it more. Verse 13, Elijah said to her, do not fear. Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first. The first belongs to God, always. And bring it to me and afterward make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away, did according to the word of Elijah, and she and, her, and he and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord which he spoke by Elijah. God will take what you have and he will multiply it if you will trust him with it. The third point I want to make is don't consume what is meant to be sown. Don't consume what is meant to be sown. Like everything, like everything. somebody say everything, everything, everything in the kingdom. Like everything in the kingdom, the miracle needs a seed. 
Everything in the kingdom requires a seed. The miracle that you're looking for requires a seed of investment. It requires a seed of faith placed into the process. There's always a temptation to consume what is meant to be sown. I'm desperate. I don't know where my answer is coming from. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this situation. It's easy to consume what needs to be sown. But if you do, you will stop a miracle dead in its tracks every time. All you need for a miracle is to take what you have, trust God with it, give Him what is not enough for you anyway, and watch Him multiply it right in front of your eyes. April told me a story, and I probably won't do this story justice, but I'll get you the tent poles of the the story. There were some ladies in Africa uh, starving to death. Uh, A missionary group goes to them, and they give them seed. And they've cultivated the fields. they prepared the, the field for the seeds. But they are starving to death. Their babies are starving to death. And they're out there in this field. And they're planting the seed that they've been given. With their babies crying, strapped around their waist. And they're crying as they're planting that seed because they're so hungry. It would be so good just to take and eat of that seed in that moment. But they know, they know, they know that if they consume what was meant to be sown, they're going to miss the harvest that waits for them on the other side. It may be dire today. It may feel like there's not enough today. But whatever you do, don't eat what is meant to be sown. Because if you will sow what is meant to be sown, there will come a day when you will reap a harvest that will be more than enough to sustain you all the way through. All the way through. We consume often what is meant to be sown because we're afraid of what it means to really trust God with a situation. When you're struggling to pay your bills and you don't have enough money to pay your bills, it's already insufficient. Trust God with the tithe. Trust God. That's your seed money. That is your harvest money. That is what is to be sown and not consumed. It's easy to go ahead and take what is meant to be sown and consume it. But then you have nothing to sow. You have nothing for the future. Don't sell your permanent solution for a temporary satisfaction. And you know what? It's... Here's the crazy thing about it is that oftentimes it's not enough anyway. It's not enough anyway. It just may get one person off of our back or it may just satisfy us for one moment. But it's not enough anyway. But if you will give God what you have and trust Him with it and not consume what's supposed to be sown, then He will take it and He will multiply it and He will produce a harvest in your life. God cannot multiply and will not multiply what you won't trust Him with. Well, God, if I ever get out of this situation, then I'm going to be faithful. No, no, no. That's not the way this works. God wants you to trust Him first. He wants you to trust Him first. He's not supposed to trust you first. Right? I mean, God, when I get out of this, if you just help me get out of this situation, then I promise I'll be faithful. No, you won't. No, you won't. Because if you can't be faithful, regardless of the conditions surrounding you, you're not going to be faithful no matter what those conditions are. 
Don't consume what is meant to be sown. And I'm just saying this to you. You know, there's drought in the land around us. We see it. You know, I hear people all the time. They're worried about layoffs. They're worried about this. Listen, this is not the time to start eating what you should be sowing. What part of your life do you need a miracle in? Amber, would you come? What is God asking you to hand over to Him right now? For some of you, it's health. For some of you, it's finances, whatever it may be. It may be about this vision campaign. That God is challenging you to invest in this process, not just financially, although that's a part of it, not just financially, but to actually put some boots on the ground to make some of these things happen. We need more than just finances to accomplish the vision that God has for us. We need, we need effort and we need time. We need bodies. We need gifts. We need talents. We need, we need investment from the people. We need prayers. All of those are parts of it. What is God asking you to hand Him over right now? God is not asking you today or asking you later to give anything that you don't have to Him. But He will ask you to give Him what you do have. There are miracles that are accessible to you, but it will take obedience, faith, and the leading of the Holy Spirit to discover them. Do you need a miracle in your marriage? you'll give your marriage to Him, you'll get a miracle. Do you need a miracle with your children? If you'll give them to Him and trust them to Him, then He'll do a miracle with them. Quit holding on. Quit holding on to what is insufficient in its current state and let Him work a miracle with it. So many times, would you stand? We, We hold on to what is already insufficient. Just, just trying to hang on. When if we will just release that into the hand of God, God will do a miracle with it. If you're here this morning and you need a miracle in your life, whatever it may be, if you need a miracle today in your health or in your finances, in your marriage with your children, I want to ask you to come. We want to pray with you this morning. We want to ask God to do the miraculous in your life. We want to ask God to begin to work in that situation for you. Would you come? Would you come if you need a miracle this morning? Step out. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, my biggest struggle is I have a terrible time trying to trust God and trust anybody else. But I need to learn to trust Him. I need to learn to rely on Him. I need to quit holding on to things that I need to trust Him with. And if that's you this morning, would you come? Say, I need to trust you, God. I got got to trust you. Many of you in this place today, you're at breakthrough moments in your life. You're at a breakthrough place in your life. And what is required to break through is trusting God with what He's asking of you right now. I feel this this morning strongly in the area of finances. Some of you are struggling financially. And you're worried about losing your jobs. You're worried about uh, layoffs and cutbacks and all of this stuff. And I'm just telling you, if you'll trust God in that area, and if you'll sow seed into good ground in that area, God will take care of you through this. I'm not saying you won't lose your job. But I'm saying to you, if you lose your job, you'll get another one. I'm saying to you, if you lose your job, there'll be another means by which God provides for you. But if you don't follow Him and serve Him, then when you're cut off, you're cut off. Father, I just ask that God right now, you would just move in this room. 
Lord, over every single person that's up here in the front, God, I ask that you would just do a miracle in their life. God, I pray that you would begin to give them courage and faith to help them to trust you, Lord, with the big areas of their their, their lives. Lord, if it's a marriage issue today, I pray that you would just minister to them and touch them right now by the power of the Holy Spirit. I want you to lay lay your hand on the person next to you and I want you to begin to pray for them. I don't want you to pray for your need. You pray for their need. You do something for them and God will take care of you in the process. Father, we thank you, God, as we lay hands on each other here in this place. As we, as we faithfully follow the Word of God and trust you with our problems and focus our attention on meeting the needs of others around us, we know that heaven is being released right now into our situation. Lord, for the, when I pray for somebody else's health, I can expect that as I sow into their lives, I reap in my own. As I pray for their finances, I sow into their life, I reap in my own, Father. And I'm asking you right now, As we come into agreement, Father, you said if we agree on any one thing, it shall be given. And Lord, we agree today. We agree for breakthrough. We agree for change. We agree for physical health right now. Lord, I pray for anybody that's facing sickness, disease, affliction. We curse cancer in Jesus' name in this house. We pray that healing would flow right now in in this place, Lord. We thank you, God, that it is springing up. Out of the ground, Father. We thank you, Lord, that the river is rising in this place. The river of God is rising in this place. And with it carries the healing virtue of of God. Lord, I pray right now, Lord, for marriages. I plead the blood over them. Lord, I thank you for the legacy of marriages that we have in this church, Lord, today. Lord, 30 and 40, 50, 60 years of faithfulness to one another, Lord. And I thank you, God, that, Lord, that is not uh, an anomaly, but that is a natural, normal occurrence here at the river. Lord, our families are sanctified, redeemed, sheltered by the blood of Jesus. We thank you, God. If there's marriage problems, if there's issues, Father, we know that, God, you're the answer to them all. We thank you, Lord, that you are bringing... You are bringing healing. You are bringing grace to the situation. Lord, for our children, our wayward children, we call them forth in Jesus' name. Come on, help me. We call them out of darkness. We call them, Lord, out of the bondage of the enemy. We call them out of the affliction of the enemy, the blindness of their minds, Lord, that the veil would be pulled off of them, Lord, and they would begin to see the truth. Lord, save them and redeem them right now by the power of Jesus Christ. We praise you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. Come on, thank Him right now. Thank you for what's done. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that it is finished. That all your promises in Christ are yes and all your promises in Him are amen. Lord, we thank you, God, today. We praise you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you're here and you don't know Christ as your Savior with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here and you don't know the Lord, would you just raise your hand up and put it right back down? Just Nobody's looking around. It's just between me and you. And you say, that's me, Pastor. I need to make some things right with God. Maybe you've been uh, in a relationship with the Lord in the past and you've slipped away from Him. And today you want to make it right. Whether it be one that says, that's me. That's me. I've got to make things right today. Father, I thank You, Lord, that if there's anyone here, it's simple, Lord, that we can simply call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. That when we call upon the name of Jesus, Lord, that You come into our hearts and our lives and You change us from the inside out. I thank you that we are transformed by your miracle working power. The greatest miracle was the miracle of redemption and salvation. And it started 2,000 years ago at Calvary's cross. And we thank you, Lord, for what you've done. I pray that they would receive you as Lord and Savior. 
And that, God, they would walk with you and seek after you. We praise you, Lord. I pray your blessing upon every person in this room today. That, Lord, you would go with them, that you would bless them, that you would use them mightily for your kingdom. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you have enjoyed and been encouraged by this message. We'd love for you to join us at the river on Sunday mornings at 9.45 for Sunday school and at 10.30 for morning worship. We also provide our midweek service for all ages on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you'd like to support the various ministries at the river, please go to our giving tab. We'd love for you to visit us at 1110 South Preston Street in Burkrenet, Texas. And as always, we encourage you to come experience life with us at the river. Down on your shore, you say, Come to the river.